Hello and welcome to another edition of the rest of season top 150 rankings show. My name is Adam Levitan, joined by Mark Dankerbring. Mike Leone has the day off. Mark, how's it going? It's going great. It was a fun weekend. Um, bets went well. Fantasy season long going super well. Um, props, we had a bounce back week in week two. So kind of a fun weekend. Only mistake I made was not playing the sun god in cash, uh, which was, you know, immediately regretted about five minutes into the slate. But uh, other than that, all everything's great. Yes, I realized Mark didn't play Amon Ra at about 1.10 p.m. Eastern. And I immediately felt for his soul because I knew he was about to get eviscerated. Each week, we do a rest of season top 150 rankings. We actually put a ton of work into this. This is not some BS list that we pull out of our ass. You can get access to this through our DraftKit Pro or our in-season package. It's useful for trades, I think. Useful for best ball, rest of season stuff. We'll have more announcements on that soon and lots more. I actually find it to be, forget all that stuff. I actually find it to be a really interesting thought exercise anyways. In other words, if we could draft today, how we draft injuries, schedule, usage, everything's changing on the fly. And as we get into it here, you'll see we have a new king on top. Now we started the season with Christian McCaffrey as our number one ranked player. Last week we had Jonathan Taylor. This week we have Cooper Cup. I think it just goes back to my point from the preseason that the first four, I was happy to get any of the first four picks because I thought the first four were all kind of interchangeable. CMC, JT, Jefferson, and Cup. I think we're splitting hairs here, but I know people always love to talk about the top. I mean, Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford have played 23 games together, and Cooper Cup's gone over 90 yards, 90 receiving yards 21 times. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. So I have no problem with Cup, number one, whatsoever. Mark, what do you think about these first four guys now? Yeah, I mean, Cup at the top, uh, that that yardage that you have is just bonkers. I mean, pretty insane for a wide receiver to have that level of consistency. And he's also getting, you know, the the money looks around the end zone too. He already has five red zone targets this season, four inside the 10. He led the league in both of those categories last year in terms of red zone targets and inside the 10 targets. Um, you know, the Rams a- added Allen Robinson, but kind of just, you know, put him in the Robert Woods role and, and Cup was absolutely smashing with Woods there last year. So I think just the floor ceiling combo on Cup is amazing. And uh, he, he deserves to be the number one uh, fantasy player the rest of the season. And then the Rams offense is continuing to run at a great pace and have a positive uh, pass rate over expectation thus far. So you know, Taylor, we saw his downside a bit just in a negative game script. In week two, I, th- I still think things are going to look good for him. You know, the Colts didn't score any points. That's not going to continue. He should still get a, t- a ton of touchdowns and just a ton of touches this year. Uh, Jefferson and CMC, I think, you know, obviously interchangeable, as you said. Just a word a little bit about the Panthers. Um, you know, I bet the Panthers money line against the Giants and like halfway through the game, I'm like, oh, why am I betting on a Matt Rule team and a, and a Baker Mayfield team? You know, it's just uh, kind of banging my head against the wall a little bit there. And, and we've noted, you know, the lack of plays they've run offensively. Like, uh, you know, I think brighter days are ahead. The, the rates are really good for CMC in terms yeah. of how often he's out there. It's just the volume that hasn't been there just due to their lack of offensive plays. Right. I, I mean, Christian McCaffrey's usage has been awesome, awesome, awesome. Of course, the problem is they're running about 50, 54 plays per game. I mean, it's absolutely impossible to have huge games like that. And, you know, I have some concerns that that's going to sustain and persist as well, but just from like CMC usage perspective, he's awesome. The other thing I wanted to note is that six of our top eight players are wide receivers. And I talk about this all the time before the season. It feels safer to think running backs are safer. Elite wide receivers to me are actually safer picks. They get hurt less. They can't be game scripted out 
as much. They can't be replaced by anyone. They don't come off the field on third downs, et cetera, et cetera. So like Cup, Jefferson, Diggs, Jamar Chase, Devonta Adams, Tyreek Hill. I mean, you know, these are the best players in fantasy and why we talk about leaning towards wide receivers when building your team, especially through those middle rounds. I mentioned Tyreek Hill. So we made massive moves on the Miami stuff. And so, it, you know, I think you don't want to overreact, but you also don't want to underreact to what Miami is doing. They are in the top five in pass rate over expectation. And they're only throwing to two guys. Tua is throwing to Tyreek and Jalen Waddle 60, 6-0% of the time. And they're being really throw happy. And so when you get that combination, it's kind of hard not to rank these guys really high. We've been very aggressive moving them up, but I, I kind of think that it's warranted. We were higher than market on Jalen Waddle by a lot. I think we were pretty much in line with market on Tyreek before the season. We now have Tyreek up to eighth overall and Jalen Waddle up to 18th overall. So I, I want to react. I don't want to overreact. What do you think about how we're thinking about Miami stuff? Yeah, you hit on everything. The, the pass rate is great. Third and pass rate over expectation behind just the chiefs and the bills. Uh, you mentioned the Uber condensed target tree. Um, you know, they, they brought in Cedric Wilson, but he really hasn't gotten any targets. Mike Gesicki, they used a little bit more as just that big slot receiver, but, um, you know, haven't thrown to Chase Edmonds all that much. We saw Raheem Mostert kind of, you know, supplant him as RB1 in week two, just in terms of snap share and volume. So it, it's just, it's just the Tyreek and Waldo show there. And it makes sense. I mean, they're two of the best wide receivers in the league. No defense is going to be able to, you know, contain both of them in, in the same week. So I think, they definitely should each hold wide receiver one status uh, to me. You know, they're, they're similar to the Bengals and honestly just a little bit better of a version because they don't have Tyler Boyd to throw to there. They don't really have Joe Mixon, uh, you know, to feature. So uh, I, I think also we can be more confident about Mike McDaniel's scheme. He seems like a yeah. super sharp guy. So I, I just think, yeah, wheels up in Miami and I think it's going to continue. I, I mean, uh, it's not it, Zach Taylor can't be a fake sharp because nobody ever thought he was sharp. Right. But like, clearly, Mike McDaniel is the king, our king, the king sharp. I mean, I absolutely love Mike McDaniel and what he's doing. Speaking of not overreacting, so we have gotten aggressive on Amon Ross St. Brown. Now, no, we were already like two rounds around ahead of ADP on Amon Ra before this season. Now we have him up to 17th overall. So, I mean, you guys know me. I absolutely love uh, Amon Ra. I, I think he fits so well. When you start projecting a guy for 30, 31, 32% of the targets, that's really hard to sustain, right? No matter who you are, no matter what it is. And so I know we're not projecting him for that much because nobody gets that much. Even Devontae Adams in his prime was around like 29 or 30. But I mean, I don't see this slowing down for Monrod. Their defense is so bad. Their offense is so good. So I like being super aggressive with him. How do you think about Amon Ra's target share? the rest of the way. It's just impossible to refute the data that we've seen over the last eight weeks from him. Uh, he has a 29% target share or higher in the last six games of last year. It's been, you know, 30% or higher in the first two games this season. So as you mentioned, that's a Devonte Adams, Cooper cup, like target share each week. Um, even if it comes down to 26, 27%, you know, that's still going to be top five in the league. Uh, you know, he doesn't have necessarily the prolific quarterback that Devonte or cup has and Jared Goff, but, you know, we've repeatedly hit on that golf strengths are throwing over the middle of the field, loves targeting slot receivers, and then Detroit's defense is going to give up a ton of points. So we can be confident in the game script aspect there. I, I think there's very few holes to poke in him at this point. Um, you know, just the draft capital, I think, is like the only thing going against him at this point. But he's shown that, you know, he, he's overcome that and, and just the situation is so perfect for him in Detroit. 
All right. A guy that now I'm worried about, I'm wrong on, because I have this full Debo Samuel fade going, and like the run out for him, I think, has been pretty ideal. First, Eli Mitchell gets hurt, opening up a ton, uh, or, or at least leaving the possibility that they rely on him more in the run game. And then also, uh, TDP is out. So now they're down to like kind of dust at running back. I think we can project Debo Samuel for six, seven, eight rushes per game. And now with Trey Lance out for the season, I actually think that's way better for Debo. Jimmy Garoppolo, very accurate around the line of scrimmage. And that's kind of where Debo gets his stuff. And so, you know, I have literally zero Debo anywhere. I'm not going to start like playing Debo in DFS or anything. Let's not, let's not get too out of control here, but I'm sure he's going to start shoving it down my throat very soon. We have him 23rd overall. Seems like the way things have run out have been pretty good for Debo. And then I'd also note that, you know, Jeff Wilson set up pretty well for the next couple months. I mean, they're thin at running back and they're going to be very efficient running the football, I think. So I, I like being aggressive on Jeff Wilson on waivers if he's out there at all in your league. What do you think about the San Francisco stuff? I don't want to overreact. Um, you know, we had to bump Debo a little bit just because, yeah, we are going to project more pass attempts moving forward. But, you know, it's not like the Niners are going to throw the shit out of the ball with Jimmy G in there. They were second lowest pass rate over expectation last season. Uh, they still have a strong defense, so I think they're going to lean into that. You know, they had a minus 18% PROE in, in week two against Seattle once Jimmy G took over. Um, so, you know, with that being said, though, we are we were projecting Lance for about nine to ten carries each week, uh, including scrambles. So just removing those and giving carries to the backs, like you said, it helps Jeff, Jeff Wilson's case a little bit. Um, you know, TDP is is uh, going to maybe be on IR with a high ankle sprain. So I think Jordan Mason worth a speculative ad there as well. But, you know, and then add some targets to the to the wide receivers and George Kittle. So um, I, I, I definitely don't think it's a huge bump, but it's, it's warranted by, you know, half a round or uh, certainly helps Debo's pass catching floor. Yeah, and I, I want to hammer home that point you made about removing Lance's rushes because I don't think this team's run rate is necessarily going to uh, change too much, but you're removing nine or 10 carries that Trey Lance was getting, giving those to Jeff Wilson or Debo or Jordan Mason, whoever else. Titans, man. I mean, the Titans fans, I, I would say things in the preseason like, you know, the Titans are going to win five games. They're going to go to Malik Willis in round 12. Titans fans would freak out. Evan would say that they're, they're the worst number one seed ever in the history of the NFL last season. And these Titans people would have an absolute aneurysm. I mean, Jesus Christ, they were so angry. Titans are bad. And then they lost Taylor Luan also. I mean, Titans are really bad. And we know when the Titans are bad, it's bad, bad, bad for Derrick Henry. And so I know, you know, hopefully no one who used our rankings has Derrick Henry. I think it was hard to get him or almost impossible if you were using our rankings. But I'm sure there's some people out there that have him. We've dropped him to 31st overall. Not a lot has changed other than the Titans suck. Right. Like to me, that's what's changed. And maybe he's not as explosive as he was when he was younger. I, I don't know, man. He's still going to get the ball 20 or 25 times in any games where they're close. I don't, it's just a question of how bad you think the Titans are. We think they're pretty bad. But if you think the Titans can turn it around, then maybe this is too low of a ranking. So what do you think about the big dog? I think it's bad. Yeah, I think it's pretty bad for Derrick Henry. I would be willing to sell low at this point. Um, Titans were 28th in Brandon Thorne's offensive line rankings coming into the season. And you mentioned they just lost Taylor Lewan. I'm not sure, you know, how severe the injury is there, but any any injury to him, him missing any weeks is just brutal for them. Um, and then we all we all know how dominant Henry was on the ground last year in the first eight games, you know, almost got to a thousand yards in eight games, but he also caught 18 balls in those eight games, which is one off his career high. Uh, and he was also had a second highest receiving yardage mark. And at this point into the season, he has one target and zero catches 
through two weeks. So it, it's just, um, you know, kind of reverted back to the, the fully game script dependent, you know, needs two touchdowns to really bury you. So uh, I do not see it with Derrick Henry at this point. I, I think the Titans are going to be bad and uh, I would sell. Uh, for people who are playing in the uh, underdog kind of rest of season contest, I think an important point to make is that quarterback. Like you see in our rankings here, these top six are so far and away better than everyone else. And even some of these pocket passes that we thought had a lot of upside, you know, like Tom Brady's screwed right now. I mean, no offensive line. All his wide receivers are hurt. Burrow is getting screwed up by all these first and 10 passes and another and struggling offensive line, first and 10 runs and all these struggling Offensive line woes again. Russell Wilson does not. David Al looks like he was sharp on that one. Russell Wilson, you know, his problem wasn't Pete Carroll. He has more problems beyond that. So, I mean, if I was playing this rest of season best ball stuff, I'd be trying to get into one of these top six quarterbacks here. Allen, Lamar, Hurts, Mahomes, Herbert, Kyler. And I think that makes a pretty big difference when you're playing a 12-team league uh, to get one of those top six. And so, yeah, I mean... Uh, it pains me to say it, but I think late round quarterback, this might be the, the final nail in the coffin of late round quarterback. Although right now, sure. Carson Wentz is, is yeah. in the, Wentz in the is steaming up yeah. a bit. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, th- th- I'm thankful to Leone and uh, I think at ETR, we did a good job harping on the importance of getting elite QBs or one of these top six this year, or at least someone that has a chance to get up there. Um, you know, and we, we were higher on Tua and uh, Trevor Lawrence, which seems, you know, decent at this point, but Anyway, yeah, I mean, if you don't have one of those top six guys, I, I think you're kind of scrambling right now. I don't know if you're going to be able to trade for one at this point. I, I think the asking price is going to be really high. So, um, you know, if you if you can, if you feel like you can get a fair deal, you're loaded up at wide receiver and, you know, need an elite quarterback, I think trading for one is good because those top six, you know, I, I feel a little less confident about Kyler, but he's going to have Hopkins coming back. And, and we just saw his, you know, ability to create stuff on the ground this past yeah. week. So, um, you know, I... I I, I want one of those top six guys really bad. And if not, I want a quarterback on a team with a high pass rate over expectation, which is Tua, which is Wentz, which is, you know, in, in certain weeks, Kirk Cousins, um, Derek Carr to, a, you know, a, a lesser extent. But uh, those are the guys I'm kind of looking at now to, to fill in. Yeah. Yeah. Kyler, man. I, I, I have a little bit of concern on Kyler, but it's really hard for him to fail with his legs. But I do have a little bit of concern on him, given the way Cliff Kingsbury runs this offense. I mean, he's not even using Marquise yep. Brown in like a way that's profitable at all. It's just like the Christian Kirk stuff from last year. You see how good Christian Kirk is. Just Cliff Kingsbury is just such a joke. Um, I wanted to get to a couple things that I was definitely wrong about. The first one is the Travis Etienne stuff. And I know that we talked about it last week on on Travis Etienne, but I don't want to like bail panic because the kid clearly has some juice, but he's getting run circles around in terms of usage by James Robinson and he doesn't even look like that great when he's out there. And so it's hard for me to find a lot of upside in Travis ETN. Now, of course, James Robinson has a history of injuries coming off an Achilles, et cetera, et cetera. It could get much better for Travis ETN. I don't want to just give up on him, but yeah, I mean, uh, I stopped taking Travis ETN like at the end when it looked like James Robinson was actually healthy, but I was taking a lot of Travis ETN in like July, mm-hmm. um, kind of early July and late July. So doesn't feel great. Any hope for Travis Etienne that you see? We have James Robinson 60th right now and Etienne 62nd. Yeah, I think there's some hope. I, I did move Robinson ahead of Etienne rest of season. Um, you know, I, I stared at it for a while and I think just have to abandon the priors there a little bit on Etienne. You know, you mentioned Robinson has 34 carries. The Etienne's 14. 
ETN has out-targeted him uh, at this point, but it's still just like a 10% share. So, I mean, ETN is, is you know, relatively playable as kind of like a zero RB, you know, RB2 or flex play in certain leagues, uh, especially PPR. You know, the Jags dominated that week two game. Like, we haven't really seen a, a pure negative game script where maybe they trot out ETN and he catches four or five, six balls in a week. So I, I think that's still possible. And then, you know, as you mentioned, if Robinson goes down, like I think ETN's a clear RB1. So um, certainly he's not worth the third round or fourth round pick you probably used on him, but I, I think there's still upside there. And, you know, it's not like he's totally dusted where he can still provide some usable weeks. So uh, I'm not fully panicked, but yeah, I mean, just the draft capital at this point looks looks like we overspended. Speaking of overspending, I mean... Uh, you know, as we move to the Falcons here, the good news is that we were way higher than market on Drake London. And that is actually a point I want to hire home, hammer home in a second here about rookie wide receivers. The problem is when it got to me in round three and it was like, you know, I was taking a middle round three Kyle Pitts, like every time he started to get hyped to where he was going the two, three turn and I wasn't taking him there. So I luckily avoided some Kyle Pitts there when he was going two, three turn. But when he was going middle of round three, I was taking him like every time. And the dude has four catches. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's really, really, really painful. I, I think the narrative is that Marcus Mariota locks on to one guy, can't read the defense fully, locks on to one guy, throws it at him. And Kyle Pitts isn't doing a good job of getting open. He's often covered by corners. He's not getting a matched up against linebackers and safeties. And Kyle Pitts is having a hard time getting open. And the guy that Mariota is currently locked onto is Drake London. You know, and that's one way to explain all this. The coach is out here saying, oh, Kyle's doing a great job of drawing coverage so we can get, you know, uh, Cardero Hodge open. It's like, come on, bro. Like we're, we're not getting, we, we don't, we don't need to get Cardero Hodge open. Okay. Like let, let's try to get Kyle Pitts open. So I think there's some pendulum here, but obviously there's some concern. We have not moved our rest of season top 150 ranking on Kyle Pitts much, what do you think about what's going on with him and the Falcons? I, I don't think a whole lot has changed other than obviously he hasn't gotten the looks. Um, you know, the Falcons, we were worried about them being very pass happy this year. You know, it was expected to be a low volume offense, right? With Mariota there as quarterback, he's going to steal some rushing. Uh, they're, you know, one of the lower pass rate over expectation teams thus far. And we just thought things would be super condensed for Pitts in London. And, you know, they could maybe put up, get 50 to 55% of the targets. That, that was the hope. As of this point, as you mentioned, Olamida Zacchaeus and Kadero Hodge and stuff are out targeting Kyle Pitts, which is or have more receptions than Pitts, which is a huge problem. Um, I, I'm not panicked, you know, too much. Like I, I thought he started to get steamed up way too high. Um, you know, I, I really don't have much of him because I did a lot of my drafts after my wedding, which was mid-August. So, you know, end of August, like Pitts was going in the second round and on FFPC leagues, he was going at the end of the first or like before Mark Andrews and and I just, I mean, I always thought that was insane, him going ahead of Mark Andrews. So, um, you know, I, I'm not fully panicked. Like, again, like, I, I think he's, his volume is going to increase. It has to. Uh, he's the fourth overall pick from them. He's an elite talent. Like, I, I think they're going to get him the ball. Uh, obviously, it hasn't gone well, but uh, I mean, they're going to buy low or just hold him at this point. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just concerned on targets per route run stuff. Like, it's just always yeah. concerned to me when guys don't draw targets. Like, to me, that's a skill and and – uh, you know, it's one thing to you can you can blame the coach, you can blame the quarterback. Like, I don't know, man. No excuses. Play like a champion. Go out there and earn some targets. Uh, Kyle Pitts. While we're on the subject of Drake London, I did want to mention these rookie wide receivers because you know 
I thought we did a good job, but we were definitely some waffling moments. And so, you know, the commanders take Jahan Dawson 16th overall. He's going in like the 15th round in season long. I mean, you know, what is that? Uh, Drake London was going in like the 10th round. We had him as like a seventh or eighth round pick. The guy was 10th overall. Chris Olave, you know, everybody knows about the air yard stats by now. I think that's a little bit inflated just by like Jameis chucking the ball down the field in desperation when they're getting their ass kicked. Like, so there's a little bit of inflation there on all the air yard stuff, but still Chris Olave is going to be fine. And then the one that uh, uh, we, uh, you know, Silva and Leone were arguing about forever was the Traylon Burks stuff. Traylon Burks looks awesome and they have no one else. And like, that was always the thesis of the Traylon Burks play. They, they have no one else to throw the football to. They use the first round pick on Traylon Burks. They're going to throw it to him. The one that I hate myself for uh, getting too long is Garrett Wilson. Because Garrett Wilson has really, really good draft capital, was a really, really good prospect. And like in those spots, instead of worrying about how it's going to happen, just like close my eyes and let it happen when a guy's the number 12 overall pick or whatever he was. And so we saw incredible usage for Garrett Wilson in this past week. Looks like a real player. We now have him ranked one spot ahead of Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, 74th, Elijah Moore, 75th. So, you know, as we kind of look back at the draft season, these wide receivers who have draft capital that nobody's excited about. I mean, you get all of them late, almost all of mm-hmm. them late. I think that's a huge leak for people underrating rookie wide receivers in today's NFL. So I'm excited for Garrett Wilson, man. I don't have like any of him because I just, I don't know. I, I just thought that there was a lot of mouths to feed there and, and the preseason stuff on Garrett Wilson wasn't great. And so I just didn't, I just don't have it. So for uh, sure. Kind of yeah. I have, that. I have him more in best ball just because we were higher on the jets and, yeah. you know, have like a decent amount of Zach Wilson stacks and stuff. Um, it's funny that Pickens was the one that got all the steam just because of the training camp hype and has come out and, you know, pretty much laid an egg through two weeks. Um, in terms of, I, I looked at yards per route run of, of all the rookie wide receivers and Traylon Burks is leading at 3.4, which is, you know, pretty elite, but he just hasn't been out there that much. Drake London is second, 2.76, also very elite. Kyle Phillips, funny enough on the Titans, uh, about 2.37 and then Wilson is fourth above he's the he's the fourth one above two at 2.17 um, and I'm not sure if it's a scheme related or just kind of like a small sample size thing with Wilson but he somehow already has seven targets inside the 10 yard line uh, which obviously you know leads the league by a couple so um, if they continue to use him that way he's gonna be really valuable just getting you know some touchdown looks there and and, and you mentioned the first round talent I think that's great um, the Olave stuff is is hilarious. The that Saints Bucks game was on TV here in Denver, and like just looking at that game, I mean, you know, it, it was the classic Jameis like, "Fuck it, Olave's down there somewhere." Like, let me let me throw it, and um, yeah. So I, I think things are looking up for him as well. But uh, Olave and Burks would be kind of the two rookie wide receivers I'm trying to buy low at this point. I think with Wilson's blow up game, you're you're probably not going to get a very good price on him. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, yeah, Traylon is going to be the man down the stretch. I'm concerned they're going to go to Malik Willis. As we all know, Ryan Tannehill can be, the Titans can give up on Ryan Tannehill and cut him without uh, losing much money in the offseason. They got to see what they have in Malik Willis at some point. I think Vrabel is probably going to be a hard-o about it, and it's going to take a while. So that's still good for Traylon Burks. I mean, Malik Willis, I think, as a thrower, uh, has a long, long, long way to go. Certainly better for Burks if Ryan Tannehill is in there. A couple more quick ones. You know, I I thought Darnell Mooney was... Like, not a great pick, but, you know, he was, like, in the mix there where he was going. I didn't think that they would drop back Justin Fields 28 times in two freaking games. I mean, this is humiliating. This is, like, 1960s time. I get the first game was in a monsoon and everything. But, man, it's scary on all the Bears stuff now. Any hope for Darnell Mooney? I think there is some hope. Um, You know, I'm trying to tell myself a story about 
why they would only throw the ball like 11 times against the the Packers or whatever. Um, and you know what, it, uh, the conclusion I came to is maybe they're trying to protect Justin Fields from, you know, elite defensive lines, uh, the, the 49ers D line, number one and thorns rankings and the Packers are number four. Um, the bears, you know, have the 31st ranked offensive line by Brandon Thorne. So maybe they're just trying to protect fields kind of against himself and from, you know, getting too many hits early on in the season. Uh, they play the Texans here in week three and they're the, they're the last ranked defensive line by Thorne. So, I'm kind of giving it one more week. You know, if we don't see much improvement here on the pass rate, then I, I certainly think it's time to panic. But um, Darnell Mooney, you know, last year he had 25.8% of the Bears targets, which was the eighth highest among any wide receiver in the league. So, like, if they just throw the ball 25 to 30 times a game, you know, he should get in between eight to 10 targets. Um, and I, I think that's manageable as a wide receiver three or four uh it's certainly you know when you get like he has what two more points than us in fantasy football this season so that's obviously horrible but um i'm 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 really eager to see what the game plan is against the texans this week all right last one i want to hit on is is just a point about reacting and overreacting maybe maybe we overreacted to the week one split between daryl henderson and cam Akers. you know um i i guess one of my thoughts was like they just think cam Akers is dust now like they just think he, he totally sucks. He can't play. Clearly, they didn't think that because ahead of week two, you know, there was a uh, you know, report or source that was very adamant that K-Makers going to play and play a lot in this game. They're not just giving it all to Daryl Henderson. Clearly, they still want to give K-Makers work. They don't think that Daryl Henderson is a bell cow. My thought going forward is that it's roughly 60-40 acres on base downs, and Henderson's going to handle all the pass down work. So I still prefer Daryl Henderson's role. I think for both these guys though, concern is the run game is like broken. I mean, nobody can gain yards running the football on this team. Offensive line certainly has some run blocking issues, but I mean, the game run game has just been broken for a while. It seems like nobody can get anything going. So I'm not too excited about either of these guys at this point. We do have Daryl Henderson slightly ahead, 85th, Kim Akers 94th. I think that's about, right any more thoughts on rams running back stuff not a whole lot uh i apologize to people for overreacting a bit you know we we expected cam Akers to be the rb1 and then it was just henderson's usage was just so elite in week one like i i don't know obviously i'm a data-driven you know analyst first and foremost so that's kind of what i leaned into but yeah it, it just seems like they're going to kind of split it here a little bit and you know hopefully you start the guy on the week where he scores a touchdown um i don't know I, at least there'll be a prolific offense but you know, I, I think it's going to be a little bit of a headache each week and hopefully someone emerges as a clear favorite. But at this point, I'm not too confident that's going to happen. All right. That is going to do it for this rest of the season top 150 ahead of week three. We are working on getting some stuff up for underdog. So stay tuned for that, for their kind of weekly and their rest of season uh, contest. So stay and tuned. Super flex. Superflex, we're working on rest of season Superflex rankings as well. Hopefully you should have those up soon. Also stay tuned for that. If you're not subscribed yet, there are weekly and monthly options available. You just go up here to the subscribe page, go to the NFL products, and you'll see it all there. Good luck in all of your action in week three. Four. Mark. Four. The non-existent Leone. Good luck, everybody.